Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sales Velocity TV and Radio. I'm Andrew. That's Aaron, and we're talking about the five things that will destroy your sales conversions. However, they're very unnoticed in a lot of cases, Aaron. They're, they're oftentimes things going on that you don't often see. We're going to show you how to see them. I think visibility is a big thing in the sales process today. So you can undo this potentially in your business. How are you, pal? I'm doing amazing, man. And, and today's topic is really going to revolve around when you've got a piece of your sales process. There's multiple pieces to your sales process, right? But what we're really, what we're really talking about is when some when a body communicates with another body. When you've got either you are doing the selling or you have salespeople doing the selling or whatever, you know, the five common mistakes that we see that cause people to lose sales to, you know, the, the word that we like to use is make more sales with less resistance. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about things that cause resistance and how to, to overcome them today. But before we dive in, yeah, it is a hey, beautiful, bring your mic a little closer. You're a little, soft. yeah, you want, you want T more tiny mic? Bit, tiny bit, tiny bit. How's that? Oh, babe, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I don't, I don't want to get it so close that what I were you going to say? And then it starts making weird sounds. Yeah, yeah, it echoes. You know, it is a it is a beautiful Friday in May. Uh, I am seeing the world finally wake up. The dominoes are falling. Uh, if you're in a place right now where you are not making sales, you are missing the boat. There is so much money that's been flooded in the economy. We just met with one of our clients yesterday. You know, this time last year, eighty thousand dollars a month. Just met with them yesterday, $4 million first quarter, 10x plus increase in sales, great product, great service, great process, doing all the things that we talk about on this show. We've got our private coaching group, four weeks in, they're popping leads in sales, never done it before. You know, if you're, if you're not capitalizing on the momentum, you know, you and I have talked about this before, the, the last example of what we're, we've been going through over the last year was the Spanish flu, right? And after the Spanish flu, it was the roaring 20s. There was so many businesses launched. The post, so the post pent up, right? The post pent up. People are dying to travel. They're dying to, you know, they, they've had such a miserable year that they're kind of like, you know what? I'm willing to gamble. I'm willing to risk. I'm willing to start a business. I'm willing to buy. I'm willing to, to take a loan to upskill myself. I'm willing to do all of these things that I'm just seeing it flooding in, you know, like I haven't seen in a really long time. Yeah, it's good. And we did an episode on this a few episodes back. I don't know the exact one, but if you go to salesvelocitytv.com, we did a how to build your business in a post-COVID era. And we went totally off the sales training path. And we went into what are the things you're going to want to look at? Because we like to get in front of trends, right? So yep. The important thing about being a really successful business owner, entrepreneur, an economist, this is how they, they make their living, is how do we get ahead of trends so we can capitalize on trends? And if you're not constantly reading and studying what's going on and you don't just get your news from the mainstream media, but you go and you get independent resources, you go and you do the research, you read the books and you understand history, then you can really make some strategic decisions. The problem today with what you just said, Aaron, is most people are just living like day to day in fear with this whole COVID thing. 
and they're getting their science and their news and all their research from the mainstream media, which really kind of only reports on what meets their narrative. So they're like, so, so it almost makes people a little bit stuck. So what you're saying is exactly right, but you're going to have to disconnect from kind of the fear-based media that's that's taken root in this country, at least in the U.S. I think it's worldwide, sure. actually. I don't even think it's, it's in the U.S. It's worldwide. Like right. I'm seeing what the, the mainstream media is trying to pump out right now, and they're talking about lumber prices increasing and gas prices gas increasing, prices. and they're talking about you know Bitcoin crashing and blah, 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 blah. It's, you got to remember that all all news is sold on a negative emotional aspect because that's what gets the clicks, right? You know why the reason, you know why things are going up in price? Because there was $17 trillion helicoptered into the marketplace. Do you know what that means? People are flush with cash. Do you know what happens when people are flush with cash and they've been pent up in a house for a long time? They want to go spend. They want to buy services. They want to buy services. They want to start Are they buying business. yours? Right, exactly. Are you, are you listening to the doom and gloom or are you looking at the other side of the coin which is that there's this massive, massive push of money into the economy right now, and you could be taking advantage of it. And by the way, you should be listening to doom and gloom also, because the intelligent, pragmatic mind understands risk and understands overly being overly cautious, and they understand regular news, and they understand alternative news, and they kind of go in the middle and make a decision, but they don't get crippled. And I think one of the biggest things outside of sales that we like to talk about on the show is how do you build momentum? How do you build speed in your business? How do you not get crippled by narratives and by media? And how do you figure out a way to blaze your own path and really sell more with less resistance? Because at the end of the day, as a business owner, you've got to be constantly figuring out a way to, a way to make new sales, different sales, add new products and services to the mix based on what your customers and prospects want. Tap into want. new audiences. So, yeah, so you've constantly got to be adjusting. And, and today, with all the media coming at us, it's really easy to get crippled along the way during that momentum. I have to work really hard, and I know you do as well, to block a lot of that out. Sometimes it's hard. you got to block out, especially today. We have a lot going on politically, economically, health-wise, and that can really derail our creativity. And it can really derail the, 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 the enthusiasm, the excitement that you want to bring to your business every single day. So you got to be really conscious and careful of what you allow in and you got to make sure you're allowing it in from multiple, multiple sources, mainly from independent sources that aren't financed by an agenda. Different topic for a different day, but it all leads back to how do you function at a high level every single day? Yeah, and, and the reality is I'm just seeing the positive, right? And maybe it's because I opt out out of the negative Yeah, you're stuff. great at that. You know, I, I, I opt out on every level. I opt out <laughs> of, of family drama. I opt out of. You can only news opt out drama. of so much family drama, though. Let's be real. <laughs> I opt out. I'm out. You got to be in there once in a while, like dealing with it, right? You have three kids. Come on, you're not opting out of family drama. No, all the I, time. Uh, even like even with my wife, and I'm sure this happens to you as well. You ever have your wife say to you, "Oh my God, this terrible story. You got to read this." I go, "Don't want to hear it." I just stop. No, nah, I'm I don't, a little I don't nicer wanna, to my wife than you, I guess. I just don't. Right? It's not going to. <laughs> you heard serve what my, you heard I said. What's that? I said, no, I'm a little nicer to my wife than you, apparently. Well, apparently. But <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm, an emotion, I'm an emotional guy. I don't, I don't want to read about how no, some three-year-old died not. in some train wreck you're, last You're not week. an emotional guy, which is good. You're like, you're like the best example. I know you're probably as long as anyone. You're the best example of like no peaks, no values, valleys. No peaks, no valleys. You stay, you stay even keel. It's really hard as a human to not go really high or really – not get really high or get really low. I remember playing football in college. Just it's you know, sometimes the things coaches say stick with you forever. Yeah. Right? You know that, right? As an athlete yourself. Yeah. And I always remember at the end of practice, it was kind of like 
it got really old as a young guy. You're like, why do they keep saying this every day? But as an older guy, you realize because they were trying to drill it in repetition, right? Builds, you know, retention, right? And he would always say, guys, no peaks, no valleys. Don't get too high. Don't get too low emotionally. Stay in the middle and perform. And it was like, okay, yeah, you can really get excited and get and flip out on the upside or you can get really low and down and not perform. But if you stay in the middle and you find a way to no peaks, no valleys, you can really be effective and not get pulled in either direction. It's very good advice. And you know what? One of my favorite quotes is very, very similar to that. And we talk about all the time. When I go into any type of process where I'm developing an offer or I need to sell something or I'm trying to establish a joint venture or whatever, I always go into it expecting the best. I always expect the best, but I'm not emotionally attached to the outcome. Mm -hmm. And that's a big lesson in selling, by the way, because sometimes selling meets a lot of resistance and awkwardness is when you're so, you need to make the sale. You need to make the money. If you don't, you're, you will talk a lot about that with these. That's one of the five mistakes, right? Is that when you're so attached to the outcome, you can't really be yourself, be authentic, and be a good communicator because you're so attached to the outcome. So it goes back to no peaks, no valleys. You're somewhere in the peak or you're somewhere down in the bottom of the valley. You're not in the middle, just being yourself. And, and you know, we talk about this a lot in sales. Sales is just good quality communication and sharing solutions with no real pressure, no real attachment to the outcome. But so many can't really pull that off. And a lot of times it just takes time. It's a practice skill. It takes time, you know, it's experience, time in the game. Let's dive into Let's dive some in. of these key points. And we said it was the five. I mean, we actually have 10 here. I mean, we'll see how far we get through. We like you to know, deliver six. We, 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 we present five in our marketing, but we'll deliver 10. I'm yeah, yeah, whatever. Maybe it's our seven. show. We'll do as many as we want. Maybe we'll do seven <laughs> just to be weird. Right. right. You know, number one is when you've got that one-on-one communication, one of the biggest mistakes that we see is allowing the prospect to lead the dance, lead the sales process right? Jordan Belfort, we quote him, you know, all the time because he's one of the greatest salespeople on earth, right? He's, he talks about keeping people in between the lines, not letting them get too far off track this way or too far off this track and just keeping them in the process it's from the, information. It's the straight line philosophy. Straight line theory, right? It's super easy during the sales process to let the prospect take control and and lead the discussion. And and it can happen due to a number of different variables like the prospect's personality or their experience dealing with salespeople. You know, it also could be the the, the salesperson's inability to ask the right question and move the sale forward. You know, what we found is that the, the best way to maintain control of the sale from the very start is to make sure that you're asking the right questions. Right. And when somebody starts to get, you know, derailing the process is to bring them back in line with the right question. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. By asking those quality questions, you know, you'll have far better control over the outcome of the sales, you know, interaction and the number of sales that, you know, you, you can make will increase. And so, you know, I know that you were taught this very, very heavily in your, you know, your initial days. Mm-hmm. you know, on Wall Street, you know, then in the mortgage brokerage industry and then selling your own prospects, you know, what, what, what insight can you share on this particular point for today? I think a lot of salespeople today, like you said, they jump into, here's what we do. Here's how we can help. Um, we've been doing this X amount of years. We're, we're really, you know, we're really the best. We stand out. But like you said, if you just slow that sales process down a little bit, 
and you start getting into the mind of the prospect, we've talked about this in, in episodes past, and you ask the right questions, they bring out information on their own versus you bringing out the information and trying to kind of ram it down their throat. So it, 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 takes, it takes a paradigm shift in the way most are used to doing things. You'll see the pros do this. They come across as very interested in where you're at right now. And they genuinely are. They're authentic. They're real. They're not just doing it as lip service. And you can kind of tell the ones that are as well. But rarely do you get, do you get into a presentation with somebody where they take the time to slow it all down and really figure out where are you at and is what I have to deliver something that can meet you where you're at to get you to another level. And you know when that elegance is there and that professionalism is there and you know when it isn't. So it's, a, it's an important starting point because today, most higher ticket sales are done on a Zoom, on a phone call, in person, right? Rarely do people go to a website and just buy something for five or 10K. It doesn't really happen much. So there needs to be the people component integrated into the process. And when that happens, you're going to need to really get into the mind and the heart of the prospect. And that's not easy to do without understanding what we're talking about here today. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I like to talk about my mistakes. You know, I, I think that anybody that doesn't talk about their mistakes is, is, you know, it's just, it's not authentic. Wins you and know, losses, that's, right? Yeah. That's where you learn. Right. And I remember when I first started doing presentations back then it was over the phone. It wasn't over zoom obviously. Cause it was, it was, you know, fairly long time ago is when I first came into the space, I approached it from trying to get them to like me. Right. And obviously there's a certain benefit to people liking your energy in your communications, but there's a difference between liking you and respecting you. Right. And I remember my, my goal was always just to try and get them to like me, like me, like me. And I figured if they liked me, then they would buy my stuff. Right. And th there is a certain element of that that's important, but when usually that comes from a lack of confidence in, in what you're doing. Right. And I remember somebody saying to me, you know, you're coming here with a product or service that's supposed to change this person's life in some way, shape or form. Right. And, and you're basically selling them on this concept, right? What the person's looking for in your particular niche is leadership, mm. right? They're looking for leadership. And when you, when you keep control over the conversation and you don't try too hard to be buddy, buddy, you more pivot into that leadership role it has a tremendous impact on your conversation. And the example, you know, one of my original mentors used is he said, you know, you're supposed to be the leader, you know, but what you're acting like is their neighbor, right? They're, they don't want to take advice on their specific problem or service from their neighbor. They want to take it what from did a leader. What did he mean by acting as their neighbor? Meaning you were like being overly friendly, too casual. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, not enough direction, not allowing the conversation to have any frame. We're all over the stuff talking about sports and families and, you know, and it's going to have a little bit of that a little to bit of rapport in, the, in the beginning. Cool. But, but when you start, you don't dwell on it, we're all buddy, buddy, you know, there comes a line where all of a sudden the leadership part fades away. Cause now you're just friends, you're equals in, in this environment. And now they don't look at you as a leader. They look at you like their neighbor yeah, and they're not going to give their neighbor $10,000. That's not happening. Yeah, it's a good point. Right? So it, it's part of what you have to think about when it comes to allowing the prospect to lead the sales process, right? Got to make sure that you've got your system, you've got your process, you've got it laid out. You've got the, you're asking the right questions. You're listening, you're responding and keeping them moving from where they started to 
essentially where they need to go, not where you want them to go, but where they need to go based on what you can offer them. Did you ever, do you remember the movie, the Bronx tale? I never saw the Bronx tale. The Bronx tale was, was uh, Robert De Niro, you know, kind of gangster in the Bronx movie, how the mafia moved. And like, I think, I think his name was Guillermo, I forget, or, or, or Geronimo, one of those things. The kid kind of coming up and wanted to be like, like, like the, the, you know, the mafia bosses. And he's like, yo, Sonny, is it better to be loved or is it better to be respected? It was like the big theme of the movie. And yeah. in the mafia, it was like, it's always better to be respected, not loved, because then you're almost kind of feared, right? But it's, it's funny. Right. You, when you said it a second ago, it brought me back to that core line in a Bronx tale. Is it better to be loved <clears> or is it what? better to be respected? It was like he was trying to learn that the whole movie, the young kid yeah, was probably 18. And you got to show up as the expert in your field, right? And that does lean more towards respected than loved. Yeah, because yeah, you might be a little harsh. You might have a little bit of a, of a style someone doesn't like. But if they respect your leadership and your direction and your authority and the fact that you can put a system in place to help them, you don't have to be the most liked guy in the world, right? I, I, let's be honest. That's such a great point. The people who are absolutely excellent at what they do, and when I say excellent at what they do, I know your mind will go to sports because you're a sports guy. <laughs> I'm like already me. there. <laughs> right. You you're read my there, mind. Right. Does everybody like that person? And I'm there on three guys right now where you're right. Name them. Okay. So there's a fantastic book that, Aaron, I don't even know if I've mentioned this to you, but one of the best books I ever read is a book called Relentless. Yes, it's a it's book about the book. private trainer behind Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, and Kobe Bryant. He was like the 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 whisperer over mm-hmm. the last few decades. By the way, the book breaks it all down. He got he got Jordan Tim first. Tim Grover, huh? Tim Grover. He got Jordan first. He then got Kobe, and he then got Dwayne Wade. Right. Yep. He was like their inner 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 guy, and and. Those three guys come to mind because you can really learn about how they are. And they are, they were never easy guys to get along with. They were tremendous leaders, tremendous competitors. By the way, Brady's this way. LeBron James is this way. Tiger Woods is this way. People love them. I love these guys, all of them. They all kind of have their things, right? But at the end of the day, what I love about them is I love how serious they are, how committed they are, and how they have, they, they get completely pissed off if you interrupt their flow. If you break their routines, if you don't do your job that you've been trained to do for X amount of years, if there's breakdowns, you will see Dan Marino was like this too. You'd see guys ripping. You'll see them ripping players on the field because you've broken their stride and they rarely mess up. But when they mess up, they own it. And these are guys that Jordan especially comes to mind. They weren't like people feared them, respected them. Some loved them. Their close inner circle tended, tended to love them. But really, it was more like, man, these guys are tough to get along with. They're tough to deal with. They're real. But that's because they set their expectations. The bar so is high. so high. So, like you said before, these were guys that um, were tre- were tremendously respected, but they weren't liked by a Not lot. Not by of everybody. Yeah, it, I wouldn't say everybody. Of course, they had they have their close. But they, they were always like they would keep a close alliance of people. Yeah. You know, it, but for the most part, it was like, man, it was a love hate relationship with this guy for a long time. But we won and we performed and we have championships and we made big money. So that was the result they were all after. But those guys that are high drivers like that, they're really difficult to deal with. Their trainers have a hard time dealing with them. So Tim Grover would come in. The book is amazing. Tim Grover would come in and really kind of. He's got help a new them. book now, too. What, what's that? 
He's got a new book now. Does too. he really? I saw him yeah. speak live a few years back. Um, but the fact that he got in, he was a close confidant to these guys. And you, you can see in the book that they were drivers and tough to like. Right. So it's, you know, there's commonalities. Tom Cruise is like this, by the way, almost impossible to work with. But the level of excellence when you get onto a, a set with him and he's part of the production and the script, you're getting ready for a multi hundred million dollar blockbuster. And you know that the that that and this is the thing when somebody's playing at that level, they have that level of expectation. They know their craft inside and out. They're, they know they're going to deliver a great service. Right. They have a lot of control over what's happening. Yeah, they're not. They, like, con- they like control a lot. Right. And yeah. that's kind of what I'm talking about is you got to you got to keep that control. And, and mm-hmm. you know, outside of sports, you'll see the same things. See, head of Amazon, yep. head of Apple, uh-huh. head of Tesla. Mm-hmm. Head, I can go on and on and on. Right. Yep. Loved by some, not loved by others. You know, if you're looking to be loved by everybody, let me tell you right now. Don't be an entrepreneur. Yeah, or don't be a business owner. Don't look to go up the C-suite ladder. Don't look to be a CEO because the the animosity or the criticism along the way will derail you. That and, and that's a commonality in all these guys. Sports, entertainment, business. Sports, entertainment, business. Those are the three pillars, right? Where you'll find the highest level producing people, very, very wealthy people, and very, very committed, focused, disciplined, and they get aggravated fast. I mean, Steve Jobs comes across here and you got it. Like if you read the Steve Jobs story or oh, watch his documentary, man, Steve Jobs looked on the surface like he was this calm, chill. I'm going to release nope. the iPhone. He was very because he because he had good stage presence. He right. That was, was his branding. An animal to work with if you go if you go deep into it. I mean, he was a really difficult guy to work with. Um, so, again, back to the sales process part, you have to be in a, in a position where you're OK pissing some people off along the way. And maybe your team getting a little aggravated along the way because you're so hell bent on the results and everybody yep. wins with the results because the team the results wins, the of the client, win. the results yep. of the company, your personal results. So it's commitment to the result, which can sometimes cause a little agitation, can sometimes cause a little animosity. But hey, big deal, right? You, you just decide how you want to play. Yeah, we I mean, you and I and this is where we're going to end up going 20 minutes on the first one. Apparently, we're gonna <laughs> I know we got we got to pit my fault, man. Two, we're going to do two analogies. Uh, I re- you I and I just hired them. an amazing new sales manager for one of our companies. Yeah. And the thing that we liked about it the most is that he came in and said, I think we should do this and I think we should do this and I think we'd make more money if we do this and I'm going to jump in and I'm going to show you. And you and I were like, perfect. This is a guy who wants to control his domain. He wants to. He wants to get in there. He wants to get results. He, you know, he's not somebody that we have to babysit and coddle and, and all that kind of stuff. And he's controlling the situation, mm-hmm. right? He's going to control the sales process. He's going to control the customer interaction. He's going to control. That's what you want. You want somebody in and that. By space. the way, I was talking to a client yesterday. He's trying to find that kind of caliber person or two in his business. Has a you know two three million dollar a year business going to ten. That's his trajectory. And it's like th- those A players are hard to find. Those A yeah. players come in and they like to shake things up and they like to create a little bit of turmoil because sometimes when you break things and then rebuild them, they, they're built better. Those people are hard to find. But in they your are, business- They want to own it. They're, gotta, they're passionate yeah. about it and they're proud, right? right. So you know, it's a- point number one, really all about leadership and ca- I think cadence Right. You got to There's a cadence to that presentation where not only are you taking time to to get to know the prospect, but there's a cadence in your process 
you mentioned the straight line thing with Jordan where you stay down a very regimented path and you get them to the finish line to yes or no. Really? What's number two? Number two, you did not do your research. And this has two pieces to it. Ooh, a little, bit of, a little bit of negligence here, right? Right. Number one, oh, baby. didn't do your research on your own product or service, right? That's number one. On so your you get, own? Jeez, you don't even know what you sell? It happens all the time, right? And usually that's the fault of the owner. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, yeah. It's a process problem, Yeah. right? The person didn't get trained well enough. So now they get stuck in a lot of awkward ums and ahs and I don't knows and let me find out for you. They're worse lying. <laughs> right. And, and now all the credibility, talk about controlling the process. Now you just lost control of the process because you don't know the answer. Right. You don't know the rebuttal. You don't know what you really do. Yeah. You, look you don't weak. know what you really solve. Mm -hmm. You don't know where your product's available. You don't know how long the guarantee is. You know, all of a sudden now you've lost control. You look weak. Right? You look weak. Are you, you going to add something there? No, I was going to say, it, 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 I don't, sorry to cut you off. It looks weak. Right? You look unprepared, you look weak, and you lose more credibility by the moment when you don't have tremendous knowledge and passion around what it is that you're selling. Absolutely. The other side of that is that you didn't do research of the person that you're talking to. Now, some people will say, well, but the way that I you know, have customers come to me, um, there, there is no information. Okay, right? If that's the case and you've got no information, then, then you can't do research. But what really great sales processes have is some sort of information gathering before that person gets to, you know, some type of sales presentation or process, right? right? Survey, and, questionnaire, intake form, whatever, right? Yeah. You know, like for me, the very first thing I'm looking at is, is the, their email. Like, can I pull up a, a website out of there and, and can I go into social? Can I look up their name? Can I see what they're doing, potentially what their business is, what their model is, you know, what fires them up. You know, if I've got a questionnaire attached, I know, you know, Listen, where they're Aaron, stuck. there's no shortage of places to do the research on the prospect, even if they don't provide it today with Google, with Facebook, with social media. I mean, Absolutely. Like on, just right? having name and email alone, you should be able to do Check some website. What are they about? Where do they come from? Or, you know, they on Wikipedia. I mean, there's a million ways to take 10 minutes and go, okay, my prospect, John Smith at four o'clock today, seems like he owns a big company. Maybe he's a CEO. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's just a, a small time entrepreneur, but there's no doubt I can learn a good amount about him if I take 10 minutes to do it. Yeah. And just me going into conversations with people and saying, look, you know, clearly you've been doing this a long time. I see you worked at this company and this company, and this company, I saw it on LinkedIn and blah, blah, blah. blah. Instantly, the person goes, oh, I'm dealing with a professional. Exactly. This guy showed up prepared. He's switched on, right? Just being able to just quote a couple little things. I saw you make this post about this or whatever. They're like, oh, this isn't just your average interaction. It took like, the time. Cared, the time. right? Right. Took the time. So, so, so I, I interviewed our new social media manager. She's probably listening because she produces the show. So I'm going to give her a compliment, right? So <laughs> I interview her a couple of weeks ago, sharp as a tack. And then she starts going, well, I've done a lot of research on you and on Pipeline Pro and the company. And um, I have a couple of questions for you based on the research that I've done. Ding, 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 ding. I'm like, you're hired. When I, I mean, like the interview wasn't even done because of what you just said a second ago, Aaron. I was like, that attention to detail and that, 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 thoughtfulness and thoroughness when do we get started right was all of a sudden you were like take my money <laughs> right <laughs> what's what's number three number three is you neglect your sales pipeline 
follow up. Everybody loves the fresh. Everybody loves the new. Oh, somebody else booked on my newly, calendar. Newly. Ooh, I got a new presentation. Ooh, new, 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 new. Everybody loves the new, right? But what percentage would you say of sales come from the first new interaction versus some type of follow-up process? It's different everywhere, but generally speaking, you're probably going to see maybe it's the 20-80 rule, right? Maybe it's 20 to 30%. You can comfortably sell on the front and get a decision relatively quickly. But then maybe it's 70 to 80% that need long-term follow-up, nurture, bad timing, more social proof, more information, something dropped in the mail, right? There should be a process for that long tail follow-up, especially as price goes up, the more that's needed, right? The higher the price point, the more that's needed. Absolutely. And, And so many people neglect it. And the great thing is, is that there are so many ways to automate a huge amount of that process. Yeah. That's that's why we built Pipeline Pro exactly. that sponsors the show where you can be sending follow-up emails. You can be sending follow-up texts. You can be scheduling follow-up phone calls. You can be sending people more information. You can go – like you, you'll go deep. You'll send them a piece of direct mail. You might even send them a gift on their birthday. You, you can go as deep as you want and obviously it's dependent on the price or the service, you know, but – when you put that kind of effort, when you put the same amount, if not more effort into your follow-up process and your pipeline than you do on your first interaction, you'll see your business 5X overnight. Have a, a client who's an attorney, mention him a lot on here. He's a really good marketer. You don't always see really good marketing attorneys. You just see them kind of posting big, broad advertisements all over the place. But they do patents and that's a competitive space. And it can be commoditized with companies like LegalZoom doing patent searches for like 200 bucks. His is almost two grand. And every single prospect that calls the company, they run huge ads every month, six figures a month in ads, right? Every single prospect that calls the company, most of it comes in by phone call, a little bit by web form. Every single one, Aaron, they invest in the prospect, meaning a package goes in the mail the next day with a copy of his book and a letter from him. Wow. 400 a week-ish. Wow. 500 a week. More like two, 300 a week. I think about 1,000 to 1,200 leads per month. Get that. That's an investment of only about four or five bucks. Lands on their desk. A lot of people don't make decisions on that right away. They like to shop it. But when they get the book in the letter, in the mail, on their desk or on their kitchen table, You're it's up like here. credibility goes through. Their, and what happens is they circle back and they go, you know, I was looking at a lot of different routes I could take, but then I got your book. But then I got your letter with the book and I was like, this is my guy because he's taken the time to really know the fact that most of those initial calls are going to need a little bit more, especially today. They're going to need a little bit more long-term follow-up. And that's a process that is in place and it's been in place since I've known him and it works very well. Most yeah, people are like, what? He puts it. it in the mail? Just send him a PDF. What are you talking about? Go ahead and do it. And then test, you know again, and then test yeah. against physical and see what happens. Test it. Man, that physical thing though, test I mean, it. that just... It blows your mind when you get somebody takes that level of effort. You, to, what, but it goes back to what you said before, though. They they thought they're thorough, they're thoughtful, and they want to provide more. They're not lazy, right? Nope. That's impressive. That's they're free. willing to invest. They're willing to invest. Amazing. You know? That's free. That's free. That's sent out for free. Okay. Four? Next one up on the list. And we'll recap them at the end. By the way, you make promises your company can't keep. Now, this is an interesting one because you might make the sale, but it will be the worst sale you ever make. 
because you will eventually lose the sale, possibly have refunds, possibly have chargebacks, possibly have reputation damage. No sale is worth that experience. You know, what they say one bad customer is, is worth a hundred good customers. Like the damage that they can do, especially in today's world, when you're over promising and under delivering is a mistake that we see a ton of salespeople, sales organizations make because they're like, I just need to make the sale. I just need to make the sale. And all of a sudden they set this expectation over here and your company can't do it. And all of a sudden it's a giant firestorm of problems that are going to happen inside your organization. Right on. Right? If you're the business owner and you oversee a sales team, you have to be careful of that because the sales team won't care as much as you do as the owner about overselling and under delivering. That tends to come with, you know, rough and raw sales guys who are there to make a commission, but not really there to deliver great service as well. So it's one of those things where if you, if you're not the one, if you're the one selling and you own the business and you created the product, it's different, right? Because you're going to, you're going to usually deliver what you say, but when you start bringing in outside people, you got to make sure they're not over deliver, under promising and over delivering on under promising, right? That's, that happens a lot with teams and growing a sales process that you have to be careful of. Well, and I don't want to be that guy that's like over pumping our own thing today, but it's, it's, it's one of the features that makes pipeline pro so awesome is that your sales team can call and email and text all within the platform and it can be and, seen and it can be and it can be tagged and dated in timestamps so if you the owner want to go in and monitor that whole thing you're not like where was the call made where did they send the email from did what they did text you from their the phone call? it's like shit's everywhere yeah and you and you can go in and say i'm just going to listen to the last 10 calls that this person made i did it yesterday with one of our with one of our <laughs> people i did it yesterday i'm going to go listen there to three calls but i didn't have to go find them Aaron. I mean, they're right there that, we had that client last year where yeah. like their sales team went rogue and just started like that doing, was, they, they went from doing one-on-one calls to group webinars and the crazy stuff but, they but were saying. But here's the funny thing. They were calling no from the platform so that the owner could hear them at will anytime he wants. And then they were like, you know what? I think I'm going to go do group Zoom sessions. Nobody knew about it. Nope. And then they couldn't get the recording. So they have no idea what was being said. And by the way, they were selling, but they were doing what you just said. There were people like, what, what did I just, what was I just sold? This isn't what's being delivered. Right. So they went rogue. They want off the reservation. Really important yep. today to keep you and your salespeople on the reservation. Everybody using the same systems. Everybody in one place so that you can audit it and you can monitor it and you can hold people accountable. So yeah, accountability in sales is everything. Yeah, this is where the money This is where the money happens. This is where the first transaction happens. It's where the money happens, but it's also where the breakdowns happen if you let it get away. Absolutely. No question about it. Last one for today, you don't pay attention to what your prospects and your clients are saying. So this is where like the first topic we covered can kind of go the other way where uh -huh. you're like, I'm going to say this, this is going to happen next, bah, 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 bah. I'm going to, I'm going to force this and you don't have the other side to the equation, right? You got to be asking the right questions and you got to be listening and you got to be listening because it will give you clues for whether or not this is the right service for this person or not. Because it's just as important to recognize if it's not than it is if it is, right? So when you ask questions, 
to dig deep into their their goals, their problems, their previous experiences, what they're hoping to get out of this. You gather so much information that allows you to make that decision and assuming you can serve them and you can help them, right? That information carries through to the rest of the process, your onboarding process, your communication process. I mean, just asking, you know, a simple question like, oh, hey, you you bought this product service from somebody before? Yeah. What was your biggest, cha- biggest challenge with it? They, there was no communication. They never kept me in the loop. They never reached out to me, blah, 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 blah. You can, if you are better at that than your competitor, you can say, well, you know, how we do it is we do bop, bop, bop. We, we reach out to you three times a week. We host a Zoom every, every two weeks. We, we follow up with you email once a day. And all of a sudden the person's like, oh, finally I found the, 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 the person or the group or the team that I want to work with. And then you carry that through, you know, when you're delivering whatever service you have, you say big asterisks. This person values communication above all else. Make sure we overly communicate with this client mm. because that's their biggest pain point, yeah. right? But if you don't gather that information, then you're not finding out what could drive them to work with you and what could make their experience post-transaction exceptional because the, the first sale is just the first sale, right? Your goal should be to, to make a sale build a fan, make ongoing sales, increase your lifetime value, have them refer you to others. There's like all these things that happen after the sale. So if you're gathering this information properly, then you can make sure that that experience is custom tailored for the the most significant outcome. So what Dan Kennedy said in one of our episodes early on, you you, want to make a sale to get a customer, not get a customer to make a sale. Correct. Big difference. Right. It, now, now you're in the path of customer development and relationship development, not just get paid. Absolutely. Those were our five for today. Andrew, anything you want to add Did to those? Did you have a bonus? Was there a bonus? We have a bonus. Don't I you have, have bonuses? I have bonuses. Right. Let you me pull up one of the bonuses. There might be another one outside of the five. So. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll put one that seems obvious, but you fail to ask for the sale. Right. I mean, it seems overly obvious. You you don't gather the decision, right? Now, there's a lot of people that are like, well, I don't want to make the the conversation awkward. You don't have to make the conversation awkward, but you need to know what the next steps are, right? I don't know about you, Andrew, but, but almost without fail, if I've conducted the process correctly, at the end of it, the prospect will say, okay, great. What are the next steps? Right. Right. There's my opening. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just outline exactly what I want to happen next with complete clarity. Right. First thing I'm going to do, I'm going to send you a proposal. You're going to review it. We onboard people on Tuesdays. Do you want to get started on this Tuesday or the following Tuesday after that? Notice I didn't say what day do you want to get started or like what month or what, you know, or, or, you get or what do you think? Right. No. Do you want to get started on this day or do you want to get started on that day? Oh, I want to get started on this day. Okay, fine. We're going to send out the proposal. You're going to sign the agreement. If you have any lingering questions, it's fine. Email me. But if I don't hear anything back from you, then my assumption is we're kicking off on Tuesday. How does that sound for you? Oh, that sounds amazing. Okay, great. Very chill. Very casual. It's very casual. Very, uh, very leadership driven. 
but no I've, but I've been very clear on what's going to happen next. You're going to get a proposal. You're going to review it. You're going to start on this day. If you have any questions, send them to me in the meantime. But otherwise, the expectation is it's rock and roll. Here's the other right? side of that. The other side of that is if you are ready to move forward, here's what that looks like. Sure. Ding, 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 ding. What you just said, how does that sound? Absolutely. And, and everybody has a – you, you no, feel it, your it's way not, It's not this, Aaron. You'll laugh. It's not this. So which credit card do you want to put that on, the Visa or the MasterCard? <laughs> you know what? It That's like work. 80s and 90s selling, right? right? It does work for some people. And, you know, God bless you. It's just, it, it just, just makes seems, me laugh. It's, it's so awkward. You know, it's a little novice, but it's, it's funny. I mean, it's not elegant, right? No. Like you talked about before. And the reality is, is if you're talking about a $20 item, you know, if you're, if you're selling roses that you're going to ship to somebody's house, that's absolutely the right question. Which credit card do you want to put this on today? Hey, a funny story. We're back in the broker's business. I'm a young kid training in, in the investment banking business at the age of 21, 22. I forget which. And that's on the phone, a lot of dials, pretty much hardcore selling, needing to get decisions. There's no like follow up and all that back in the day. And, and the, 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 the pitch was this at the end of like this whole pitch on a stock or something. It was like, so how do you want to title that account in your name or in the name of the company? There was no hey. like, what do you think? Nope. There was no like, are you ready to do it? It was, how do you want to title the, it just makes me laugh to this day. It's so funny. This is, you know, 30 right? years ago. It was option A or option B. <laughs> there was no option C in the conversation. But it's almost so arrogant the way it's said, right? Yeah. How and do you I want mean, to title this account? The name for me, I've just found like, like 20. the average person with me is making a $40,000 decision, right? For me to say, you know, what credit card do you want to put that on today? Like it just, it doesn't, it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't it's a little, it's a little sleazy, yeah. You, you got to align your clothes with your industry and your price point and whatever. Yep. But you should be able to feel your way through the process in your languaging to see where there's resistance and how you can overcome it. And you keep modifying your stuff based on the feel that you get back, right? You test something, the feel, did it work, did it not work? Okay, in, out, boom. And you get to the point where net, for me now, it's it's so flowing and it's so easy and, and my customers, are, they there's never any resistance. And selling becomes fun. Selling, selling is super awkward for people that don't know what we talk about on the show. Selling right. is always met with resistance when you really don't take the time to understand the dynamics of it, understand how to do a presentation that is elegant, how to ask the right questions, how to move people to a decision. A lot of it's just a lot of, a lot of it people are kind of going rogue and they're just letting the conversation go where it goes and it's just very loose. And when you structure things, it becomes more comfortable because you have a framework and people don't feel as stressed or awkward because you're moving in all kinds of weird, weird directions. It's, it's something that doesn't happen overnight. It's something that you have to train yourself into or your team into. And I, was, I would always recommend that you listen to you or you listen to your sales team Absolutely. on how they carry the conversation from front to back because some people lose control quick. Others are really good at taking a leadership position and keeping people on track and ultimately not wasting their time or, or, or yours. Absolutely. So good stuff here, man. We got the, 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 the five with the bonus six, things that will kill your conversions if you let them. Sometimes people are unaware of them. They're unconscious to them. They're doing them and they don't realize it. You have to become very aware as a business owner, as a sales professional, as an entrepreneur. You have to create an incredible awareness of what's happening at every stage of your sales cycle because a lot of times if you don't, you're doing something that could kill conversions and you're doing it unconsciously. So the more conscious you become, the more aware you become, the better you become and you, then you get to do more with less, right? You can actually close more deals with less leads. 
when you're really diligent and deliberate about your process. Absolutely. Where can people check out some of our previous episodes? As always, visit salesvelocitytv.com. You will see all of our episodes there by TV like this if you're watching on the show, and you'll see all the ways to download it on all the big podcast networks like Apple and Google and Amazon and Stitcher um, and all those and all those spots. So listen on the go. Watch us live every Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern in the, the public wide open Sales Velocity TV Facebook page. And we'll see you on the next episode. This is Andrew. That's Aaron. We'll see you next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sales Velocity TV is powered by Pipeline Pro, the ultimate all-in-one sales pipeline management and marketing automation platform that makes all others obsolete. And we can prove it. Take a tour at gopipelinepro.com. See you on the next episode.